Philippians chapter number 4, verses 6 through 9. Sometimes you have a lesson and you just kind of, you, you, you pray and you try to find the mind of God and you, you hope that maybe that you're, you're on target and you want to help people. And then, um, man, this evening I've had people in my office one after the other for like an hour. And so I feel like I got the right, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching about dealing with stress. So I feel like maybe I have the right word tonight. Philippians chapter number four, verse number six through nine. If you found it, say amen. amen. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, I just remembered what I was going to write down. Man, if it's this bad at 51, I hope the rapture comes before I hit 81. Um. If you wanted to help the church in Poland, I leave Monday morning to go to Poland. If you wanted to help them with the food for the, um, for the uh, Ukraine refugees, those getting from the war, then we'll need to get that taken care of tonight, Sunday morning, or Sunday night. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are, are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Now, I don't, I'm not all, always a fan of alternate versions, but I'd like to read that same passage in the NIV. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatsoever, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace shall be with you. Lord, I thank you, God, for your people. God, these are awesome people who love you and serve you. God, I pray that you help me tonight to speak a word into their lives, God, that will bring peace and direction. I pray, Lord Jesus, have your way tonight. And I thank you for your anointing in this place. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Modern life is full of hassles, full of deadlines, frustrations, demands, stress, 
For many people, stress is so commonplace that it's become a way of life. They don't even know what it's like to not be under stress. Stress can be a big problem. It's impossible to avoid it altogether. Too much stress can break your health, your moods, your actions, your mental well-being. Stress is a normal physical response to events that upset your balance in some way. If you sense danger, whether real or imagined, the body's defenses kick into high gear. And it is a it keys a stress response. And that response is your body's way of trying to slow you down and protect you. When it works properly, it helps you stay focused and alert. In emergency situations, stress can save your life. I've heard of people in, uh, in, in stressful situations being able to do things that were beyond their normal abilities, picking up cars or moving things. It can give you extra strength. It can spur you on to slam the brakes to avoid an accident. A stress response can help you rise to meet challenges. It keeps you on your toes at work in a stressful situation, helps you get stuff done, can sharpen your concentration. When you're doing something important, it can drive you to go to another level rather than settle for less. And so stress isn't always bad. However, beyond a certain point, stress stops being helpful and starts causing major damage to your health. I remember several years ago, it, uh, I, I was dealing with a lot of stress in a lot of areas, and uh, my mother had passed away, which was, was part of it. My, uh, we, were, we were trying to finish the building out there. There was a lot, of, a lot of issues and a lot of stuff that we were dealing with at the time, and, uh, and, and the stress became so heavy on me that I didn't even realize that I had slipped into a depression. I didn't want to be around anybody. I didn't want to talk to anybody. Things that I normally enjoyed, I found no joy in. And uh, it wasn't until that I was uh, with a friend who is a, a counselor, has a, a, uh, a counseling clinic in California. And they said, your deal is you're dealing with depression. And I said, no, I'm not. And, uh, and she said, yes, you are. I said, no, I'm not. I said, I'm not dealing with depression. I'm just, I'm just dealing with stuff. She said, well, that stuff has got you depressed. And I argued with her, and then I realized she was right. And I learned that whether right or wrong, just quit arguing with a woman. That'll help with stress a little bit right there. <laughs> if I didn't get an amen there, I'm not getting one at all tonight. But stress beyond a certain point starts being stops being helpful and begins to cause major health issues your mood your productivity your relationships your quality of life here are some stress warning signs and symptoms memory problems well i got that inability to concentrate that was on display a moment ago 
The longer I talk, the higher my stress levels rise. <laughs> Poor judgment. Seeing only negative and not positives. Anxious or racing thoughts. Constant worry. Moodiness. Irritability or short temper. Agitation. Inability to relax. The sense, the feeling of being overwhelmed, the sense of loneliness and isolation, depression, general unhappiness, aches and pains, stomach issues, nausea, dizziness, chest pain, rapid heartbeat, eating more or eating less. Can't win either way when it comes to eating. <laughs> Sleeping too much or too little. Isolating yourself from others, procrastinating or neglecting responsibilities, using alcohol, drugs, cigarettes, etc. to relax, nervous habits, nail-biting, pacing. The effects of stress. Probably after that list, everyone in here feels like I'm preaching to you. Here are a few common phrases that Christians say that in my opinion they are absolutely untrue. And so if you've said them, don't say them anymore. I've said them and I quit saying them a long time ago. Number one is don't say I'm too blessed to be stressed. Because some of the most blessed people I know are also under extreme stress. And don't ever say that worry is faith in the devil. Because that's not true. I've heard evangelists primarily say stuff like that because they've never pastored people. So they, they pop off all, all kinds of stuff. And then we clean it up later. But, uh, but worry is not always faith in the devil. Sometimes worry is just a natural response to things that are going on in life. That you can't control everything. And so don't make yourself feel guilty when you worry about some things. Now, excessive worry is out of control. You have to, and what we're going to try to do tonight is give a biblical base on how to deal with some of that. But I'm going to tell you, and, and, and I debated about bringing this lesson tonight. I really did because, you know, sometimes you have a, a, a high Sunday and, you know, it's all spiritual and all that. But I'm going to tell you, if we don't learn how to deal with everyday regular things in life, we'll lose the spiritual high like that and we'll think it's not even real. And so I think it's important for us to talk about real life stuff, don't you? And so I don't know anyone in their right mind who doesn't deal with a certain level of stress. I said in their right mind. There's some people they don't know. They just don't know. So, I mean, they don't have to worry about it. People with no stress are usually either not completely in their right mind or they're so unmotivated that nothing in life bothers them. But people with a drive to succeed and goals and a sense of responsibility will always have some level of stress in life. Your bodies and mind were designed to be able to handle certain amounts of stress. A psychologist friend of mine, the one I argued with, said it this way. 
said you have a certain res a certain size reservoir of emotional energy it runs off certain chemicals in your body and when that reservoir keeps having withdrawals and not deposits it gets depleted and if you don't learn how to refill those reservoirs you're going to crash eventually i had a professor that had pastored a very large church and uh, and he he got under so much stress that he had a break and when he broke he told he told me he said he said he told me uh a couple years ago, he said, if you don't figure out how to relax, you're going to break. And so I've been on a two-year mission trying to figure out how to relax. I hadn't found it yet. But God has made a way for us to handle the normal stresses of life. And that way is in his word, and his word always works. The devil has made a lot of imitations. He sold people how to deal with stress and anxiety. His ways are artificial. They never change the individual and they never change the circumstance. They just, they just kind of dull it for a while, but they usually end up making the situation worse. The number of lives ruined by illegal drugs and alcohol and misuse of prescription drugs of people trying to figure out how to deal with their stress is beyond imagination. And those things misused are not the answer. And I think that, that one of the things that we should probably start doing as a church is praying for people who are doing the best they can to try to cope with life without the Holy Ghost. Their mistakes should not write them off. It should give us a heart of compassion to help them. Amen. But for us to help them, we have to learn how to handle it ourselves in a biblical way. And so God's word works. As I mentioned before, there are, there's a biblical formula for dealing with the pressures and stress of life. Paul, the apostle in Philippians 4 and 6, the King James Version reads it, be careful for nothing. And that, that, that doesn't necessarily in our modern vernacular give the, uh, give the exact thought that we want or that, that the apostle was trying to say. But what he was saying is don't be anxious. He said be anxious over nothing. Don't be stressed over anything. And I thought about how can the apostle Paul Tell people not to be stressed over stuff. This is the same man that in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty six, he said, I've been stoned, not on drugs, with rocks. He said, I'm going to rephrase it. I've been hit with rocks, shipwrecked, snake bit, imprisoned. I've been in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen. In perils of heathens, I've been in peril in the city. I've been in peril in the wilderness. I've been in perils in the sea. And I've been in peril among false brethren. I've been in weariness, painfulness, hunger, thirst, cold, and nakedness. And then he said, and besides that, I have the care of all the church on me. That's a lot of stress. But the same man that said, this is all the stuff I'm dealing with, he says, don't be stressed or anxious about anything. 
And so that means he must have found some way for him to be able to deal with all this pressure on one hand and still be able to look at people and say, you don't have to let stress rule your life. And so the man that can deal with all those things and still say not be stressed, I want to know what he's doing. He gives simple scriptural methodology for dealing with stress, anxiety, and pressure. I was, I was talking to a group of people the other day, and we were, I was talking about a particular author that I'm not a huge fan of. Because this particular author, he presents issues, and he presents all these, and then he never elaborates on them. He just raises a bunch of issues, and then he, he, he sells a book and, and doesn't elaborate at all. Paul doesn't just say, don't be stressed, and then walk away and say, good luck. You, ever, you don't like those people that give you advice, but they don't give you any help? You know, they say, don't worry about that. And then they just, <laughs> they're gone. Paul gives, he says, don't be anxious about anything. But then he gives simple solutions that everyone can use to try to deal with these things in their life. In verse number six, he said, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer. I think one of the things that cause us to carry so much stress is that there's a lot of things that we just try to handle on ourselves without prayer. I'm not going to bother God about that. That's not a big enough deal for God. But that's not what Paul said. He said, you pray about everything. Have you ever had a little deal in life that because you thought it was a little deal, but next time you looked, it was a lot bigger deal than, it was, than you thought it was? I've dealt with issues that I thought were minor issues, so I just kind of put them on the back burner only to find out that those minor issues had grown. So Paul said, don't be stressed about anything, but in everything, even the little things that you think are not a big enough deal to talk to God about. He said, in everything by prayer. I believe that the biggest difference between the modern church and the early church is that the modern church, as it is currently in America, is so blessed that we haven't learned the true necessity of prayer. And don't get me wrong, I'm thankful that we're blessed. But that blessing causes us to think we can handle things on our own, deal with it on our own, We'll work our way through it. I'm not going to bother God about it. We might even be embarrassed because we don't want to tell God what we've done and what we're into. But the, Paul said, in everything by prayer. Prayer in its simplest definition is talking to God. That's it. That's, man, that's... I know I'm in, deep, I'm in deep mode tonight. If you're looking for angels, demons, and revelation, you've come to the wrong place tonight. I suggest looking up some YouTube preacher or something later because I'm not going to give it to you tonight. I'm going to give you something that hopefully when you're in the middle of a situation tomorrow 
and you feel your stress level rise, the Lord will say, remember what the pastor said. Prayer is just talking to God. Prayer is just talking to God. It can be, I love you, Lord, or it can be, God, I'm having some issues I'm dealing with. I, I was trying to do a job by myself, and, and, uh, and the job was, was I, I was just, I was frustrated by it. Sometimes things work out, and sometimes no matter what you do, it's difficult. And, uh, and I just stopped, and I, and I just stared at what I was working on, and I said, God, you're going to have to help me right now. Because if you don't, I'm going to hit that window with this hammer right now. <laughs> In a good Christian way, with the love of the Lord. Those last two phrases I didn't actually say. But I just stepped back and I said, God, you're going to have to help me. Because I, I'm getting frustrated here. And I've learned that the more things I ask God to help me with, the more things he helps me with. God doesn't have a, a, a scale that your problem's too little to talk to him. That if it's not, up, if it's not a, a five on a scale of ten, it's not worth his time. He said, cast all your cares on him. Now, if you care about it, cast it on him. We can debate if you should care about some of the stuff you care about. But if you care about it, cast it on him. He said, cast all your care on him because he cares for you. Your cares matter to him because he cares about you. So if you care about it, the one that cares about you care about it. So just talk to God. You don't have to speak King James English. You don't have to say thee, thou, and helpeth me. You don't have to use Bible talk. You don't have... All you just, you know, people that say, people that say, well, God knows. Well, God knows, but God also said in everything by prayer. And the subject he's talking about is specifically about dealing with anxiety and stress. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer. There is a value in just opening your heart and mouth to God. I was with someone the other day, and, um, and we were going somewhere, and I realized that for like 30 minutes, I hadn't said a word, and it hadn't been quiet either the whole time. That person just was just, they just had stuff they needed to talk about. I didn't do anything. I wasn't a great counselor. I don't think I gave any advice. I think when at the end, I just said, man, I'm going to help you pray about it. But there was something, but they felt better just by talking about it, just by saying it. There is a value just in opening your heart and mouth to God and expressing how you feel about the issues and the things you're dealing with. Amen. Here's what the book of Romans said. He said, with the heart a man believes, but with the mouth he confesses. You can believe it in your heart, but at some point you've got to tell it to God, speak it to God. Just speaking it in prayer, just speaking it out in prayer is the first step that Paul gave in dealing with your anxiety and stress. Just speaking it out. Just, just talking about it. I can't tell you how many times it's just been a matter of me just telling God about it and I just feel better. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
Do I have any witnesses here that said, you know what, he's preaching, I've tried it and it works. You express to him your feelings, fears, stress, problems, joys, happiness, victories. There's a value in express, just speaking it in prayer is the first step that Paul gave. Paul said everything by prayer. And then he said, and supplication. Supplication is prayer, but it's a different kind of prayer. There's a value in just telling the Lord about your issues, but sometimes you need to take your prayer to another level known as supplication. Supplication is a form of prayer, but it is considered kneeling or bending down, making a humble petition to God. It's taking a humble position with God. It's not just complaining to God about it. Prayer can be just complaining to God about it. God, this is bothering me. This is worrying me. This is, but, but, but when you take it to supplication, it's, it's going before God with a humble heart and saying, God, I can't do anything about this. I don't have the answer. I don't know what to say. I, I'll be honest. I was in the office with some people the other day. And, uh, and, and, and as they were talking through their issue, in my mind, I'm saying, God, I don't know what to tell them. I don't know the answer. I don't know what to say. God, if you don't help me, I can't do a thing here. And can we admit, especially all of us men here, we don't like to show weakness or the inability to handle something. I didn't hear, I, I thought at least one female would say amen right there. I don't like to put myself in a position where I can, where I say, I don't know what to do, I can't handle this. But Paul said, if you want to deal with your cares and your anxiety and stress, you have to humbly go to God in supplication. Lord, I need your help on this. I need you to show me what to do. I need you to give me direction on how to deal with this person. God, you need to help me. You need to help me know how to respond to this person. Give me your direction. Give me your wisdom. I have a confession to make. I often have that I can handle this. I won't bother God with it. I often think I can do it by myself with my own abilities, my own experience, my own thinking my way through and then I get down the road and I see God I should have got you involved in this a long time ago supplication says God I need you prayer can be just telling God about it God I'm worried about this but but supplication is God I'm worried about it and I need you to help me I'm not talented enough I'm not big enough I'm not smart enough I'm not whatever enough to do this by myself and supplication is prayer, but it differs in that supplication always has a request attached to it. God, I need you to help me. Tell me what to do. Show me what to do. Give me the right words to say. Tell me how to handle it. Tell me what I can do to make it better. You're asking God for something. You're not just telling him about it, but you're making a request for his inclusion in the situation. God will not force himself into a situation. He will not push his way into your life or circumstances. Even at the pool of Bethesda, 
I preached about it a little bit Sunday morning, I think, maybe Sunday night. It all runs together. But the man at the pool of Bethesda, he, he asked the man, he said, will you be made whole? He didn't just walk up to the pool and say, get up, take your bed and walk. He walked up and he said, wilt thou be made whole? God usually waits to be invited into your situation. We often preach about when the water was turned into wine in Cana. I, I got the privilege on, a, on two or three occasions to go to Cana of Galilee. And Cana is actually now across the northern border of Israel in Lebanon. And, and they've discovered the place in Cana. They were, doing a, they were digging a foundation for a house. And when they were digging the foundation for that house, they ran across some ruins under the ground. And those ruins are, are a wine press. And they, would, they, they, they assumed that in a town as small as Canaan, there was probably only one wine press. And so we stand there in the middle of this ancient wine press knowing that that is probably the place where Jesus turned the water into wine. And, and even at that place where that great miracle happened, here's what John chapter 2, 1 through 3 says. And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, and both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, they have no wine. Now, we, we know the part, the third verse, where, Je where Mary looked at Jesus and said, they have no wine. Do something. The second verse was the key to the miracle. And both Jesus and his disciples were called to the marriage. Had they not been invited, he wouldn't have been there to turn the water into wine. The invitation made the way for the miracle to happen. If there's no invitation, there's no miracle. And so in your lives, if there's no invitation, there's probably not going to be a miracle. You have to invite him to turn your water into wine. You have to invite him to change your circumstance. You have to invite him into your situations. Or if you don't invite him, there's no guarantee that he'll ever come into your circumstance. The invitation to the wedding got him on location so the miracle could happen. It was a clear message. Do something, Jesus. Don't just show. Mary, Mary said, they have no more wine. It was a clear, it was a clear, you know, moms can talk to boys certain ways, and you know exactly what they mean. It was a clear message. Do something, Jesus. Don't just show up. Act. Supplication is saying, God, I need you to show up and do something in my situation. And then the third step of dealing with stress and anxiety is thanksgiving. He said, in prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. The word thankfulness appears like in, in the net version 195 times. In the KJV, it occurs 141 times. Thankfulness is an important part of living for God. I don't want to be the kind of child to God that always asks and never says thank you. Right. 
I go to sleep early. If it wasn't a church night, I'd be asleep right now probably. Or I'd be trying. But I get up early, so, you know. And sometime after I fall asleep and before I wake up, almost every single night, I get a text message from Kate thanking me and her mom for everything we do for her. Almost every night. Well, that's one reason I do stuff for her. It's one thing to be the kind of Christian that always says, give me, give me, give me, God, do, do, do. Work, work, work. But there must be that element that once I've said, God, this is bothering me. And once I've taken my prayer to supplication, God, I need you to help. There's a whole other thing. God, thank you for however you work it out. Thank you. Bishop Wilson, you taught me a lesson. You taught me a lesson years ago in, uh, in, in praying for people. You told me, and, and you do it all the time. I, I do it now because you do it. I figure if you do it and it worked, I'll try it. But uh, he never just comes up and says, God, heal. He always starts by saying, thank you, Lord, for healing, or thank you for your healing power. Have you all ever noticed that? Some, some have. I see heads nodding, hands, and... and uh, but there's something about that thankfulness that opens the door to the power of God. Thankfulness is an expression of acknowledgement and appreciation for the hand of God. The, the word thankfulness is actually a compound word of two different Greek words. The first word, which I, I know I don't speak it right, but it, it looks to me like it's sherezomai. And the other one is homolegio. And, and the two words... The first one means, it means grace. And the second one means to acknowledge. And so the word thankfulness means to acknowledge God's grace. And so when I thank God, what I'm doing is I'm acknowledging the grace that he gave me. Three reasons for thanksgiving. Number one, it honors God. Number two, the Bible tells us to do it. And number three is because 2 Timothy 3 and 2 said that one of the symptoms for the end time was that people were going to be unthankful. And I don't want to be the generation, the unthankful generation like the world is. Leviticus twenty two twenty nine, and when you will offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving unto the Lord, offer it at your own will. Thanksgiving must come from your heart. It shouldn't be because somebody, you know, like, like, like if I gave Kate or, or Ellie something and then I said, okay, now say thank you. Well, they say thank you, but that's not the same. Leviticus said that when you offer thanksgiving, that you offer it from your own heart. Amen. Thanksgiving, let's listen to what Luke 17, 16 through 19. I'm going to put this in another, a little bit faster gear here. Luke 17, 16. It, this is, uh, this is, it says, and they fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. This is the story of the ten lepers. The ten lepers, a death sentence. They can't live with their families. They can't, they can't be in community. They have to be out by themselves, among themselves. 
There's no cure. There's still to this day no cure for leprosy. And the nine, ten lepers, all ten of them, all ten of them were healed. All ten of them, their leprosy dried up and went away. Out of all ten of them, only one came and said thank you. And that one, the Bible said, was a Samaritan. Isn't that sad? That out of ten, the, ten, the nine Jews that knew about God and knew about healing and knew about the power and the mercy of God, not one of them came back but the one who had never seen anything like that before. There were no great Samaritan prophets. He's the one that came back and gave him thanks. And Jesus answering said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? God, I don't want to be guilty of you blessing me and me being too busy just to stop and say thank you. I don't want to be an unthankful Christian. God, I want to thank you publicly right now for everything you've done for me, for my family, for your goodness and mercy. Oh, God. Amen. My two girls and, 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 and Sister Angela's daughter, Allie, and Brother Danny's daughter, Madison, were, were just coming down the road, minding their business, doing what they're obeying the law. And a lady ran through a stop sign and hit the car last night, put them into a ditch. It could have been, today could have been such a different day. God, I thank you. I just want to thank you, Lord. For all the things that you do that I don't even recognize what you do. But I don't want to be guilty of not being thankful. Not just for big things, but for little things, for everything. He said, were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? He said, there are not found that, get, that, that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. He said, it's a shame that all the other people that knew about God the stranger was the only one that came back and said, thank you. Oh, God, I don't want to get so used to him being so good that I forget to thank him. Man, we've watched God do some amazing things around. I, I, was, I, I was at lunch with another pastor yesterday, and, uh, and his church bought our old projector, praise God, to help us pay for our new wall. And, uh, and, and I had lunch with him while he was picking it up. And I, and I was telling him about Sunday night service. And, and, and I'm just not a, I'm not a crier. I just, I'm just not. I'm, I, I'm just not. I'm not saying it's good, bad, wrong. That's just me. But, uh, but I was telling him about, about at the end of service when, uh, when, when Sammy Joe, when your little boy come up and put his arm around you. And next thing I knew, I looked at him and he had tears coming down his face. And I laid hands on him. And when I did, God filled him with the Holy Ghost just like that. I was telling this other pastor about it. I got the crying right there in the restaurant. I couldn't hardly help myself. And, uh, and, and because, man, we see God do so many things. But if we ever get to the point that we lose the awe of the things that God is doing, he may very well turn away from the church and look at a stranger and said, I've blessed that church, and they didn't stop and give me thanks. So I'm here to, hey, I want to be thankful. I want to be thankful. Amen. And I know you're thankful. 
I can tell by the way you worship and the way you give and the way you serve and come to church. I can tell you're thankful. Maybe it's, it's just a reminder that when you're dealing with stress and you feel like pressure is all over you and you feel like when you're really stressed, you don't really feel like you have anything to be thankful for. That's when you need to stop and say, God, thank you, because I know you're going to help. I know you're going to show up. I don't have the answer yet, but God, I thank you because you're going to help me get through it somehow. Amen. Praise God. He said, there's none found to re to, that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And look at verse number 19. And he said unto him, arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Woo, hallelujah. Now, the verse before that didn't say, None of the other guys had faith. Let me just, let me go ahead and cut to the chase here. Thankfulness is a sign of faith in God. When you can say thank you to God before it even works out, that's a sign of faith. Praise God. Hallelujah. Brother and Sister Patton, happy anniversary today. That had nothing to do with my sermon. I just thought of it. When Jesus walked up to the tomb of Lazarus, he didn't just walk up to, the, to the, the tomb after they rolled the stone away. He didn't just walk up and say, Lazarus, come out. The first thing that Jesus said when he walked to the tomb of Lazarus was, Father, I thank thee. When you're dealing with dead circumstances, I challenge you to give God thanks before you make a request. He stepped up to the tomb of a dead man and he said, Father, I thank you because you hear me when I pray. The first thing before resurrection was thanksgiving. The last thing I feel like, I, like doing when I'm dealing with dead situations is thanking God that it got so bad. But Jesus said, thank you. And, and, and in this passage about, about, the Samar about the Samaritan that came back to thank him, Jesus said, arise, go thy way, thy faith. His faith was manifested through thanksgiving. And that faith hath made thee whole. Amen. Praise God. If these three elements are in your life, prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, then there's a promise for you. What's my promise? Verse number seven, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding. Have you ever been in a situation that there was no common sense reason to have peace in it? And somehow you did. That's the peace of God. And if you, by prayer, supplication, and giving of thanks, then the Bible promises you that the peace of God which passes all understanding. God, somebody here is dealing with situations that's beyond their ability. And God, that stress has affected and afflicted them. But God, I'm going to pray that they'll put this message in action. And that God, 
that even beyond understanding, when other people can't figure out how they're dealing with it the way they are, let the peace of God that passes understanding come upon them. The Bible said he shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. If you'll put these things in action, you're not going to have a breakdown. You're not going to lose your mind. God's going to keep your heart and your mind through Jesus Christ. That's a promise from the Word of God. That's a promise from God's very Word. God, let your peace that passes understanding touch somebody tonight. And God, I'm going to ask you to hold their heart and mind. God, I'm going to ask you to hold their heart and mind while they deal with whatever it is they're dealing. God, I'm asking you to keep it. Keep their heart and mind during the circumstance, the situation, somehow, some way. Can I have just about five more minutes? Because the, the passage isn't over. Verse number eight, finally, brethren. Now look, when it says brethren, he's talking to the church. This isn't a promise to people that don't have the Holy Ghost. This isn't a promise to people that don't know the Lord. This is a promise to the church. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, and of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. You have to make the attempt to keep your thoughts under control. You have to learn to focus your thoughts on good things. Because if you don't, your thoughts will run away from you and you'll heap anxiety on yourself. I know, I know it's easier to say than it is to do, but you have to try to focus on the good things. You might need to get out and make a list of the blessings of God and the good things you've seen him do, the miracles you've seen him do, the people that care. You might have to do that, but finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And then Paul says, okay, now, those things which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, do it. It's not enough to hear a Bible study. You've got to do it. Look at somebody tell them, just do it. He said, you learned it, received it, heard it, now do it. And notice this last promise. And the God of peace shall be with you. Hallelujah. Whew, glory to God. And the God of peace shall be with you. Hallelujah. Oh, thank God. Amen. If you're with your family or somebody you're comfortable, reach over, take the hand. We're going to pray together right now. God, I'm just going to ask you that you help us to do what we've heard tonight. God, that when the anxiety levels rise, when the stress rises, when the worry kicks in and we don't know what to do, God, that we'll do what we've heard tonight, 
God, that we'll bring it to you in prayer, that we'll open our heart and just tell you how we feel about it, what we think about it, what we're worried about, what our cares are. But God, we're not going to stop by just venting to you, but we're going to start but we're going to supplicate. We're going to humbly ask for your help. We're going to ask for your direction. We're going to ask for your guidance. We're going to ask you to be with us. And then, God, we're going to take it to that third level and thank you. Even before we see even the first inkling of a turnaround, I'm just going to thank you because my faith is going to make me whole in Jesus' name. And, God, then I'm going to do my best to try to focus my thoughts on things that are holy and just and pure and of good report. I'm not going to let the devil, I'm going to try not to let the devil infiltrate my mind with worry and anxiety and chaos and stress. And so God, I'm going to try my best to focus my thoughts on holy things. And then God, I'm going to stand on your promise. You said that the God of peace would keep my heart and mind and that the God of peace would be with me. And so, God, I'm praying those promises over this congregation. I'm praying those promises over everyone that's here tonight. I'm praying those promises over everyone that's watching online or listening. God, I'm going to pray that this passage, God, that we take the lessons from this passage and that we apply it to our lives. God, I know that you want us not only to be saved, but you want us to have a quality of life that brings joy and is a testimony to the world of what it's like to have you with us. God, I pray a blessing over this congregation, over the men and women of this church and their children and grandchildren. God, I pray a blessing of peace over your people, over this church, that God, as we go through this building program and stress begins to rise, I pray that the God of peace would move and help us to have grace one for another. God, I pray and I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Can we just lift our hands and thank you? This is the last thing we're going to do tonight. This is your dismissal. Just take some time and thank him. God, I thank you because you are very present help in the time of trouble. I thank you because you are the Prince of Peace. I thank you, God, because your word is on time. I thank you, God, because your word is relevant to life. I thank you for every supernatural thing in your word. I thank you, God, for every revelatory thing in your word. But, God, I also thank you when your word meets me at the very basic levels of my life and what I'm going through. God, I thank you for your peace that passes understanding. Let it flow in their lives. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. In Jesus' name.